Here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be looking at episode 613, entitled The Last Recruit. This is the 116th episode of the series, and there are five to go. And indeed, in those last five episodes, if you'd like to share your feedback, you certainly can do so. You can say hello to me on Twitter where I'm looking back lost. You can send an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on the webpage, lookingbackatlost.podbean.com, or please have your voice heard on the podcast by calling 732-707-1815. And I suppose I should um, clarify a statement that I just made. While there are five episodes left to the uh, to the series, and indeed each of those will be podcasted as separate episodes, um, there's more than that left to this podcast. Uh, certainly after the end part two, the uh, the podcast will uh, will be concluding with uh, the, an episode on the new man in charge, as well as kind of a, a retrospective of the podcast and uh, of the series. And probably in between then and uh, and now, there'll be at least one episode kind of reflecting on the music of the show and uh, hopefully a couple other goodies here and there. So please don't think that the podcast uh, completely concludes with the end part two. It'll be certainly in the final stages uh, and almost done, but there'll be that last little bit at the end. So the the date that this is being released is June 13th. The podcast will conclude on August 15th, 8.15. So we still have, still have a good uh, good chunk of time to go. Anyhow, with that... Let's focus on this episode, uh, 613, The Last Recruit, and the Wikipedia summary that follows. In the 2004 Flash Sideways timeline, John Locke is rushed to the hospital after being run over by Desmond Hume in Everyone Loves Hugo. Sun is taken to the same hospital, and upon seeing Locke, she seems to remember him and becomes frightened. In the police station, James Sawyer Ford interrogates Kate Austin. Kate is able to see through Sawyer that he didn't arrest her in LAX because he didn't want anyone to know he was in Australia. Detective Miles Strom calls Sawyer over about the multiple homicide in a restaurant of Martin Kimi and three of his associates. Miles shows Sawyer a surveillance image, which shows Saeed Jarrah leaving the scene. Desmond meets Claire while she's on her way to another adoption meeting. Remembering each other from the airport, he persuades her to meet his lawyer for the well-being of her child, and he promises it will not cost her. Upon introducing herself to the lawyer, Ilana Verdansky, Claire is told that she has been looking for her. Jack Shepard also turns up at the office with his son and learns that Claire is his half-sister, 
and is also a beneficiary of their father's will. Jack then gets an urgent call from the hospital and has to reschedule. Meanwhile, Saeed arrives at Nadia's house and attempts to leave, but is apprehended by Sawyer and Miles. Sun wakes up, and Jin informs her that the baby is okay. As Jack is preparing to operate on Locke, he recognizes him. In the 2007 original timeline, following the events of Everyone Loves Hugo, the man in black asks Jack to speak with him, admitting to impersonating Jack's father since Jack first arrived on the island. Claire interrupts, and the man in black leaves the two to catch up with each other. Zoe arrives and demands to have Desmond returned. If they refuse, she'll have the camp destroyed by mortars, which she demonstrates by having her camp fire a single round nearby. The man in black gives Sawyer a map to a boat and asks to meet at a rendezvous point where he will be waiting with the rest of the camp. However, Sawyer is planning to betray the man in black by making a deal with Charles Widmore, and he tells Jack to bring Hurley, Frank Lapidus, and Son along to a different point as they are all leaving. Sawyer and Kate then take off and find the boat. The Man in Black tells Saeed to kill Desmond if he still wants Nadia back. Saeed goes to the well where he finds Desmond at the bottom. He tells Desmond that the Man in Black promised to bring the woman who died in his arms back to life and believes him capable of this because Saeed himself was brought back. As the Man in Black's group travels to the point where Sawyer is supposed to pick them up, the Man in Black finds Saeed and questions whether he killed Desmond. Saeed claims he has. Jack sneaks away with Hurley, Sun, and Lapidus, but Claire sees them and follows. Once they reach the boat, Claire holds them at gunpoint, but Kate convinces her to join them. Once on the boat, Jack tells Sawyer that leaving the island is a mistake and jumps into the sea. After swimming back ashore, he sees the man in black, and the rest of the group are waiting. On Hydra Island, Sun is reunited with Jin, and she regains her ability to speak English, However, Widmore betrays Sawyer and has artillery shells fired in an effort to kill the Man in Black. Jack is injured by an explosion on the beach, and the Man in Black carries him into the jungle. The Man in Black then tells Jack not to worry, as he is with him now. With that, let's now get into my thoughts about this, uh, certainly a jam-packed, high-energy episode. The episode first recaps several sideways story threads so far. We see Dastardly Smokey throwing Dez down the well and conclude the previously unlost with Jack and company arriving at Camp Smokey. The episode proper opens in the middle of that arrival scene. And there's a very kind of, you know, there's a feeling that it's very lost, you know, in terms of the title of the show. It's a very kind of lost move. Um, Something that we haven't seen in a while, too. Kind of, you know, that stopping mid-scene then continuing it. uh, as the episode, uh, well, as we move from one episode to the next. Anyhow, Smokey and Jack have a little powwow to the side, and I found it very telling that Jack immediately says that Smokey looks just like Locke, that Jack can see what so many of our, uh, of our other heroes can, that something isn't right. Jack uh, immediately gets down to business and finds out how and why concerning the whole Smokey to Locke story. Quickly, it's confirmed what I think that we knew all along, that Smokey needs a dead body, and that, as we suspected, the vision of dead Christian on day three was Smokey, in an attempt to kind of be tugging at the edges of those 815 pawns. At this point, there's a lot of talk about how stupid Locke was, and there's a nice uh, little moment 
as Giacchino highlights Smokey's statement with a little shocking strum of the strings to kind of twist the knife in our heart. You know, we're so sad to have the, the deadlock be, uh, be so hurt by someone who looks just like him. And speaking of Locke, we flash sideways to Locke and Dr. Linus going to the hospital after the former was hit by Desmond's car. Now, if you think back to how the flash sideways started, they felt so disparate, so oddly, I won't say unconnected, but disconnected from the story. This early memory is, of course, contrasted by our memory of uh, the, the flash sideways at the very end in the church together when it all makes sense. Now, certainly the last few episodes have suggested a connection between sideways 815ers, but it really is here in this scene where it all starts to come together. We have Locke wheeled out of the emergency or wheeled out into the emergency room bay, and we see that so too is Sun, who immediately has a conniption upon seeing Locke, declaring, No, no. The implication, of course, is that she's connecting him uh, to the island, perhaps partially remembering, I think. Um and there really is just a, there's a fun moment where, you know, he's, he's on the gurney in the ambulance bay. All of a sudden she is, and you can just get this sense of purpose and something I'll talk about uh, a, a bit later in the podcast, how this, this is the sideways story. We start to see, oh, I thought it was just a bunch of, this is how they would have lived their life if they landed. You see it's starting to just, you know, that, that one turn off to the side that you thought wasn't connected. Well, it's coming back. Over here is coming back. And they're starting to grow together, kind of like roots in a tree. Anyhow, you might think that this is a great um, great uh, first act, great teaser act. But still, we don't have a title card yet. Instead, we go back to the jungle and Locke and Jack uh, stop their little walk and talk. And Claire suddenly or not so suddenly, I would argue, pops up so that brother and sister can chat. Now, the scene left me wondering if this was Hand of the Writer or Hand of Smokey that they can suddenly chat now. I think it's probably supposed to be Hand of Smokey, which of course ultimately is Hand of the Writer, but what I mean to say is that it seems so like, hey, we're having a private discussion here. Oh, look, here's Claire to tell you, you know, Claire things and the things she can only tell you and you'll believe her and so on and so forth. Um, you know, there's, I think that it's kind of vaguely implied that that's Smokey's plan. Um, and that it's not just some sort of, um, oh, less exquisite decision of the writer to say they're walking along and Claire shows up because we need that to happen. Anyhow, it's at the, uh, the end of this teaser act that Claire supposes Jack is with Smokey now. Why? Because Jack let him talk. Now, not to fast forward to the end of the episode, but Smokey repeats that sentiment at the end of the episode. You know, Jack, you're with us now. So there is kind of a nice little, um, oh, shape between the teaser act and the hook act. Anyhow, with that, this is the point where we get our title card. And uh, then we have Sawyer and Hurley catching up about old news because apparently we need more recap about Widmore's sub and who's on the secret sub team and who wasn't invited That'd be Saeed and Claire, by the way. And as Locke comments that it's great that everyone is together again, we really have a slick transition to Sideways Sawyer at Police HQ as he grills with and flirts with his prisoner, Kate. 
the conversation that they have is actually reminiscent of ones that we, the audience, have had so many times before uh, about the show. How it seems so very odd or notable that fate seems to be pushing them together in this particular time, pushed together at LAX and then the car crash a week later. The chemistry that the two actors have together is, of course, quite good, as always, but it goes from flirty to smart on Kate's part as she, well, fine, as she recaps that Sawyer was on Sideways 815, not for the best of reasons, and perhaps he didn't arrest her there, lest he be found out on his secret Kill the Real Mr. Sawyer mission. On that tense note, Miles grabs Sawyer to talk about the shooting, of Kimi and company, hey, uh, and the recovery of a Korean woman with a GSW and her no-English boyfriend, fate pushing everyone together, indeed. Which, I mean, just so everyone is clear, it, it is, of course, not fate. It is, of course, that they have built this place to find each other. And the implication um, is that, you know, that there's some sort of um, implicit force at work yes there's the explicit force of desmond going around to some of these people saying hey hurley why don't you you know go go track down that girl for another date or you know hey this hey that but um there's more than just kind of desmond uh obviously acting there's kind of the 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 subconscious if you will anyhow the story returns to Smokey's camp where kate and jack have some coded talk about how everyone changes then Zoe arrives asking for what was taken. Quick reaction shot uh, of Saeed reminds us that it it is, of course, Desmond that they're talking about, and Saeed's the one that took him. There's a show of force with Team Widmore firing and missing with those mortars, and Zoe hands Smokey a walkie-talkie and tells him that he's got X amount of time to return the package. As she walks off, by the way, Smokey's reaction is priceless. He looks at the walkie-talkie like it's this foreign, unknown thing. He's seen how it works, sure enough. The other side's voice comes out, and you talk into it. But you can see him perplexed just for a few moments. Smokey, mind you. Smokey has not left this island in 2,000 years. Smokey, who was born here. Um, the implication being it was some sort of Greek or Roman civilization that that he lived in and died in. And then that, that's kind of, um, you know, he's retained those values, despite the fact that um, he has seen bits of technology from the last 2000 years end up on the island. But it's just great to see him holding that walkie talkie. And there's just kind of this, you know, this, you can almost see him saying, huh, you know, what, what kind of world has made this? What, what is that world out there that I want so desperately to get back to? despite the fact that I've never been there. Anyhow, he smashes it with that big stick of his that he doesn't know what he's going to use it for yet, and declares, here we go. It's not a great act end, but it ends the act nonetheless. After the break, the story resumes in Flash Sideways, where Claire shows up at the lobby of a building. What building? Well, she needs to check in at the check-in desk, basically so that she can just tell them I mean us, that she's there for the adoption agency. She's told that it's on the 15th floor and that she needs to sign in. You know, nothing like a 15-story minimum building that requires all visitors for all the businesses in the building to stop by and sign in. 
oh, wait, it's actually an excuse for her to stop and to uh, avoid doing some sort of costly motion shot with the cameras as she continues to walk on in. And there's another reason. That reason is that she gets stopped by none other than Desmond, who is accompanied by his kind of new theme, which is wise yet mysterious. And so, I mean, that's the purpose of this check-in desk. So that, well, it's twofold so she can describe where she is or maybe it's threefold so she can describe where she is specifically this is a building where there's an adoption agency second so that desmond can meet up with her in an unintrusive way because she's already stopped and then third later in the episode when we see jack uh and david come in they'll go through the same lobby sign in again and it'll be we'll say oh they're they're headed to the same spot isn't this strange um, now, as for as much as I painted it at the, the beginning of this scene, uh, as kind of an excuse for the show to avoid an expensive set of tracking shots, to be fair, as Des and Claire head up the escalator, just that happens, uh, a shot in motion, the camera uh, joins them on the escalators, they go up and it wraps around the corner as they walk to the elevators and so forth. To be clear, this is costly. Because uh, to result, or rather the result, after a flubbed line or a need for a second take, it's not just that you start again because you're already standing at the desk or stand, you know, sitting in some sort of uh, uh, non-moving location. You've got to take your actors and cameraman and sound guy and lighting person perhaps all to the down escalator, get ready at the beginning and then start it all over again. Um, all of this for the actors, you know, as you rush to get the line in before you run out of stairway on the escalator. Anyhow, Desmond comes off here as a tad pushy, not quite the smooth, effortless push that he gave Hurley. He's talking here about the need for an adoption contract and that he's going to see a lawyer right now, one that will work for free. His lawyer pal, by the way, why, she's on the 15th floor as well. Uh, Desmond Hume to see Miss Fedansky, please. Oh, yes, Mr. Hume. She's expecting you to have a seat. Great. Hey, um, thank you. You're very welcome. Desmond? Ah, Elana. Uh, Claire, this is Elana. Elana, I'd like you to be a friend of mine. Claire Littleton, um... I was hoping you'd be able to help her. I'm sorry, Claire Littleton from Australia. Um, do I know you? No, but this is quite a coincidence. We've been looking for you. Desmond, do you mind if I speak with Miss Littleton alone for a few minutes? No, absolutely fine. Go right ahead. The show has traded on the, the goosebumpy moments since day one. But this is the first one of season six that, that I would argue really has that growing sense of momentum that I was mentioning earlier. It's a momentum that I distinctly remember feeling build and build in the spring of 2010, starting with this episode and increasing with each flash of awakening that follows, uh, not quite in this episode, but that, that follows this point uh, all the way to the end. Story returns to Smokey's camp, with Smokey explaining that his disciples have been unfairly accused of stealing something, so it's time to vamoose to Hydra Island. 
Sawyer pulls secret side duty and recruits Kate. And as Smokey goes off with Saeed, Sawyer fills in the very nervous-looking Jack. This uh, nervousness being a testament to how uncomfortable Jack is over, uh, or rather, giving over control to others. Sawyer delivers some clear plans for the future. Jack, double back here, meet here, tell Hurley, Lapidus, and son only. And as the groups get ready to leave, Saeed, off to the side, is told to kill Desmond so long as what he wants what was promised to him. The music tells us uh, just how horrible this all is, but the next scene answers many of these questions as Saeed approaches the well, gun in hand. If you're going to shoot me in cold blood, brother, I think I have a right to know what you get in exchange for it. He told me I could get something back. I lost. And what did you lose? The woman I loved. And where is she now? Dead. What makes you think Locke can bring her back? I died. And he brought me back. So what will you tell her? What do you mean? This woman, when she asks you what you did to be with her again, what will you tell her? It's a quite well-acted scene where Saeed is clearly trying to hang on to the last bits of his humanity. Certainly, this is a familiar place for him, and perhaps a vague reminder that we can still have hope in Saeed, despite his being called a zombie and a soulless person and unfeeling. He's been here before, perhaps not with all the magic island razzmatazz, but somebody who is confronting the 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 eroding nature of his own humanity uh you know this is certainly certainly something that Said has been through before a number of times the clip concludes with a question about what Said will do for the woman he loves so of course we flash sideways to Said right after the Kimi kill back in Nadia's home as he's packing a bag to get out fast turns out he has good reason as the doorbell rings and it's Miles uh, at the front door while Said is able to slip out the back and falls over the garden hose being pulled taut by Sawyer. It's a great little gag and very Sawyer-esque as the detective Ford is about to put himself, uh, or rather has put himself, in the shoes of a man on the run. From that success, the island story returns to Sawyer and Kate arriving at that very familiar sailboat. The Elizabeth, let's not forget. The show makes little uh, note of it, but we'll see later in the episode. Indeed, it is the Elizabeth from Newport Beach. Sawyer and Kate at this point <sighs> reinforce story points as Sawyer explains the plan. And Kate worries that her own plan of returning Claire to Aaron is a bad idea. Sawyer very fairly counters that now the Claire is uh, drinking Smokey's Kool-Aid. Claire is hardly a fit mother. And hey, only a dummy would argue with that. 
story then moves to Smokey's group and Jack. Oh no, Jack saddles up to Claire. How long have you been with Locke? Ever since you left. So you trust him? Yeah. Why? He's the only one that didn't abandon me. Thanks, Jack, for sticking to the plan of not reaching out to the people we're leaving behind to keep it all a secret. You can just see the wheels in his head turning, and it obviously feeds off of that um, of that uh, Sawyer and Kate scene previously. You know, Sawyer is so convincing in saying we must leave Claire behind, and here Jack is saying, "Well, you know, let me just make sure that we're supposed to leave her behind." Anyhow, remaining with uh, Jack and Claire for a moment. Smokey moves to the middle of the line where he checks in with Sun, who still can't speak. And we get to at least see Lapidus, uh, although he's not speaking or at least not given dialogue as well. And hey, Cindy gets to speak one line. Hey, at least they're not dead yet. And now the point of the Claire scene where she's talking about being all left alone. Well, Jack at this point surreptitiously rounds up Sun and Lapidus and Hurley and they all slip away. All the while, Claire watches them leave her alone. Zing. See, it wasn't just random dialogue. It was uh, had purpose. With that, we have a quick scene of Jack and company looking for the dock, then finding it. Yay, success. All of our non-zombie heroes have been saved, uh, except... Where are you going? Claire. It's okay. Kate. We're leaving the island. Then uh, why aren't you waiting for John? Because that's not John, and whoever he is, he's not one of us. Claire, come with us. I can get you back to Erin. Wait a damn Sawyer, shut up. She's coming or I'm not. Come with us, Claire. John promised me. No, I'm promising you. I was there when he was born. And I never should have raised him. It should have been you. I came back to get you so you could be with him again. It's the only reason I came back to the island, Claire. So please come with us. Let's go home. Right, get on the boat before Locke gets here. He finds out we're gone. He's gonna be mad. The show certainly has earned the tension of the scene, given how Claire has talked about killing and not killing and killing Kate. Kate's small bit of recap also serves as a double purpose, namely setting up Aaron's rebirth of sorts in the flash sideways uh, that we, of course, have not yet gotten to. The act uh, ends with that clip, uh, the reminder of Smokey's wrath. Show returns in flash sideways where Jack and his son David are in a suit and tie entering. Hey, like I said before, a suspiciously uh, familiar looking lobby of a building 
The fact that Jack and Son need to sign in at the lobby front desk, complete with the shot of the same check-in guy, serves to hammer at home. They are in the same building as Claire and Desmond. And why? To hear Grandpa's will read. And hey, by a lawyer, Ilana. Ilana, who says that she has a special guest. I think even the most uh, dull of first-time viewers could have figured out what happens next. It is, of course, Claire is the special guest and she succinctly tells them that christian was her father too no need to milk the moment for too much drama i suppose with you know acting and stuff um although the show does perhaps sense its own desire for expediency because jack gets a phone call wait a minute the spinal surgeon is being called after Locke's been in an accident ah fate it does of course remind us repeat viewers that uh as I said earlier, they have created this place to find each other. So things like this will happen. Now, we know it was Desmond who, who put Locke in the hospital and the Desmond will end up at the, uh, you know, at the hospital, so on and so forth. So uh, though for right now, of course, Desmond is uh, not in this scene. We head back to the island or rather off the coast of it as Sawyer and company are on the boat headed to Hydra Island. Frank asks for and receives a quick recap. Hydra Island, sub, take it home. Then everyone goes below deck because they sense it's time for you know, a quieter scene. Uh, and Kate pilots the boat and Jack and Sawyer. Well, it isn't quite recap as much as it is, I think, a grand restatement of the thrust of the show, of where we are headed. And most of all, the restatement of Jack's new value system. Didn't think you'd show up, Doc. Sorry. Taking orders ain't your strong suit. Nice to see you finally came around. Doesn't feel right. What doesn't feel right? Leaving the island. Want to tell me why not? I remember how I felt last time I left. Like a part of me was missing. We got pills for that, Doc. We were brought here because we're supposed to do something, James. And if Locke, if that, if that thing wants us to leave, maybe he's afraid of what happens if we stay. Get off my damn boat. What? You got a decision to make and you make it now. Either you're with us, you keep that damn crazy talk to yourself, or you're going in the water. James, this is a mistake. And I know there's a part of you that feels that. The island's not done with this yet. Yeah, well, I'm done with this island. So you want to take a leap of faith, Jack? Then take it. Get off my damn boat. Sorry that I got Julia killed. By the way, as Matthew Fox jumps into the water, he ends up closer to the boat than I think you would want him. There's actually a moment where it's kind of like, ah, don't get hit in the head by the boat. He's, of course, all right, though. What did you say to him? 
changed his mind. What do you mean he changed his mind? What did you say to him? He ain't coming with us. We have to go back and get him. We're done going back, Kate. It is, of course, a terribly important scene. It is Jack entering his final phase. And, uh, I mean, just to think how far he's come from Crash Day, where he was, you know, there's this need to be in charge, need to set up uh, the immediate future, you know, food and water, because rescue was coming and everything would still fit into the pre-existing structure. And here he is just saying, you know, that, that he can't leave. After the act break... It's a flash sideways, and Sun is waking up, presumably after surgery, uh, waking up to the sight of Jin asleep, holding her hand. What unfolds is, like most Jin and Sun scenes, terribly touching, with loving close-ups and word that the baby will be fine and all is well. The scene concludes with a really great wide shot of them staring lovingly at each other. Then the camera dollies out backwards into the hallway and picks up Jack and David walking toward the camera. Very slick move indeed. Jack and David talk a bit about how Jack didn't know Grandpa had an illegitimate daughter. And as Jack leaves David by himself so that Jack can get ready for surgery, it begs the question, who leaves a 12-year-old at the hospital while getting ready for an open-ended surgery date that might take hours and hours? Is David catching a cab? Is he getting picked up by the unseen mom? I know that that isn't the point, but it's a pity that the show doesn't answer it. Maybe, though, that it isn't the point is the point. Maybe the fact that there is no David, certainly in the sense of him being Jack's son from life, means that any rough edge with the boy is just a product of the, the dreamlike state that is the Flash Sideways world. You, you know, when you dream that you're piloting a flying elephant, you don't question the ridiculousness of it. It just makes sense in the dream. Perhaps that's the point here as well. Perhaps some of these people that we're seeing aren't there at all. They're just, you know, as I said, part of this dreamlike state. Perhaps they're you know, for all the, uh, you know, the Anna Lucia's and the, uh, you know, and the, the Mrs. Widmore's that pop along who are real, but not in this place to, uh, you know, to, to move on uh, as part of the group. Perhaps there's also just figments of people's imagination that are, that are populating the, uh, the city. Anyhow, Jack prepping for surgery, is told that the patient uh, already was in a wheelchair and has an obliterated dural sac. Hey, remember that dural sac monologue from Pilot Part 1? You know, the whole 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 thing looked like uh, with angel hair pasta. Well, the show bets that you remember that because it doesn't really linger on it much. Anyhow, with that, Jack steps into the OR. We ready to cut? Say the word. What is it? I think I know this guy. By the way, did you catch the little refrain of the island theme as Jack looks down and sees Locke? Some things are fate indeed. The story returns to the island where Jack paddles on up on the main island's beach 
and is met by uh, Smokey and then by Smokey's merry band of brown-clothed others. Uh, and then the story moves to Hydra Island, where Zoe and her merry band raise guns and lower guns. And at this point, one of the true great moments of the episode is revealed. Son? Someone got their voice back. We'll never be apart again. I promise you. Did you catch that hopeful yet depressing statement of Jin's? He'll never leave her. Truer words were never spoken, as we know from what will be their final episode, at least when it comes to the island story. But that's a future episode, and we have this one to conclude. That uh, Widmore! What the hell are you doing? What's it look like I'm doing? Hands up. Now. On your knees, all of you. Sam! We had a deal. Deal's off. We got him. If you got a sight line unlocked, fire when ready. Beach being bombarded from Hydra Island. You see that Jack is quite the worse for wear indeed, until Smokey comes along to help him. You alright? Don't worry. It's gonna be okay. You're with me now. Certainly an ominous ending to the episode indeed. One that, for better or worse, leaves us feeling that the story is in no way over. In seasons one and two, this was a frustrating, infuriating way for an episode to suddenly stop just because time was up. Here, though, it feels different. It feels almost more epic because of the pace and the pull towards the end. But indeed, the end of the episode has come. So let's take a look at Lostpedia for the bits and pieces I have missed. And there's a, there's a good chunk in this episode. First, this is the first time that Jack and Claire have met each other since knowing about being siblings. This is the first episode that we learn of Ilana's surname, Verdansky. Also, Andrea Gable makes her second appearance of the season as Nadia. And although she has appeared in all six seasons, this is the first time that she has appeared more than once in the same season. Lostpedia also notes that the Elizabeth, the boat, appears for the first time since season three's The Glass Ballerina, in absence of 64 episodes. And here's a good one. The episode features points of view of the candidates, and it does so corresponding to their numbers, except for Hurley. That is to say that in this episode, 
Uh, the first flash was John Locke's, number four. The second was of James Ford's, 15. Uh, the fourth was Saeed Jarrah's, 16. The fifth was Jack Shepard's, 23. And the last was Sun and Jin's, 42. Ospedia also notes that this is the first time since season three that Claire has received any flash from her point of view. And as we start to wrap up here, it is noted that Jin and Sun reunite after three years, having not been seen together outside of flashbacks and flash sideways since the explosion on the freighter in There's No Place Like Home Part 3, a separation of 29 episodes. Lastly, and this is perhaps the best bit of trivia because it gives us something to discuss, there appears to be some time-date discrepancy the events depicted in this episode and those shown in Sundown and The Package. Sun and Jin could not arrive at the ER at the same moment as John Locke, as the events of The Package takes place just a day or two after the arrival of 8.15, whereas Desmond's attack on Locke uh, took place about a week after, due to Desmond telling Hurley it had been a week since their flight in Everyone Loves Hugo. Lostpedia continues to say that some fans have tried to explain this as a mistake by saying that Kimi busted Jin and Sun one week after Oceanic 8.15. That apparently was not the fact. Now, I think I have an answer for that. Let's not forget that this is a place, this Flash Sideways world is a place that is essentially timeless. You know, I think that we can imagine that when Jack dies at the end of the series, his eyes close and his consciousness fades... Uh, And then his consciousness um, essentially snaps to the first time we see him in the flash sideways. Perhaps. Flashes to him on 8.15. Perhaps it flashes to an earlier point in the sideways. I don't know. Uh, I would argue not. I just kind of have this sense that since he, and presumably everyone, dies with this bond uh, of of those who, who move on to the next life together, that... He gets returned to the early, well, to the point where they essentially not quite met, but the, where they were first together, uh, the plane. So that's where I think Jack goes. Now, if we imagine that Hurley, as the island's leader, let's say he gets a good two thousand years in and decides to to live a normal life or whatever it might be. Well, I imagine that Hurley dies, you know, in the year four thousand. Uh, and he closes his eyes, and then when he wakes up, or when his eyes open again, he's on the plane as well. That that's that's my take on it. I think that that's kind of implied in the show. Certainly, there's no question that they they all die eventually, and then they all meet up again on eight fifteen, which lands, and that facilitates their ability to meet each other again. Well, if that's the case, where they've where potentially there's been thousands of years between the first one to die. Uh, and the last one to die, for them to all meet together, why in the world does the sideways function of time need to to be like ours? Um, Can't you just be shot one day, um, you know, be shot on a Monday and call 911 and end up there uh, six, seven, eight days later? Um, The way, you know, bring it back to the sideways is kind of like, a constructed dream. It's not quite as free form as, as, you know, the dreams that we have, but given that it's many people building a consciousness there, um, who says that you can't, you know, that the time needs to flow for the same of everyone. These are all dead people living in some ether world. The rules 
don't necessarily need to apply. So I say, is there a time date uh, discrepancy? Sure. This is also taking place in an area of the human experience that none of us have been able to uh, experience ourselves or verify. So they get away with that in my book. With that, let's take a look ahead to next week. Next week will be 614, The Candidate, followed by Across the Sea, What They Died For, The End Part 1, The End Part 2, and The New Man in Charge, along with hopefully some other goodies along the way. So with that, everybody, thank you so much for listening this week to 613, The Last Recruit. Look forward to talking to all of you again next week. Take care, one and all. Bye-bye. Thank you.